Yeah, so we're here with, we got Corey. How's it going? Corey, who are you? I am uh, Corey Greenberg from, uh, well, in Tbilisi. And uh, I'm, I feel, I feel uh, uh, you know, I can talk about things related to Central Asia, Eastern Europe, the Caucasus, this part of the world, security policy. It's my bag. Mm-hmm. We got Sarah. Sarah, what about you? Yeah, so uh, I'm Sarah, focused on Russia, Central Asia, uh, you know, all fun things like foreign policy, migration, corruption. And, uh, and Matt? And I am, I'm Matt Ecker. I'm in New York. I have some history with Southern Africa, doing research there. I'm interested in politics and history there. And I'm just interested generally in economics and development economics and things like that. So we, we came together at, 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 at graduate school at SIPA and, uh, and it was, that was a year or two ago and now we've decided to, to, to riff on, on subjects uh, related to and, and just separate from uh, these fields. Yeah, make our uh, ongoing WhatsApp conversations public. Yeah, this is our, this is our group WhatsApp. Our, this is our group WhatsApp, and uh, maybe that's what we should have called it. Oh, there probably is a podcast called that, right? Well, should we just change the name to Estonia's Team America? <laughs> is that a better name, like so a that, more idiosyncratic name that would be better for our purposes? I mean, it's kind of funny because it because that's how we we all got to be closer friends was because we went to Estonia in grad school to do a, a project. We, yeah. we saved them from the Russians <laughs> and the Indians. Um, yeah, if, if you notice that they weren't taken over by Russia yet, it's because of us. Yeah. Yes, totally us. Uh, and if they do get taken over, we told them to watch out. So they didn't listen enough. They, they didn't follow our advice. <laughs> they didn't follow our advice to the T. Uh, we, we advocated for a large wall, but they, didn't, they just wouldn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> It wouldn't have to be that long, though, right? Because what's the border? I mean, I'm not going to get into geography borders, but what do we know? Is we have a sense of the border length there? It wouldn't be that much. Well, remember they had that huge lake that uh, encompasses a large chunk of the border. Uh, so, like maybe half or a third of their Russian border is uh, is on a lake. Is it? Okay, yeah, it was a big lake. Like where Narva? Yeah. What's the town Narva? South of South of Narva, further mm. south. It's, it's. I think I want to say it's like in the mid range to the. To the south of the of the country, my Estonian geography yeah, serves me right. Yeah. So, in addition to the wall, also a lake navy. <laughs> yeah, it's like right in the middle, sort of. It's like the middle to southern of the eastern border. Uh, do you think that would be the best defense, a wall, or do you no, think? I don't think so. No. A berm. You don't think a berm? Or what's a berm? A berm is like a sand or an earthen. An earthen wall, which then is immediately preceded or followed by a ditch. <laughs> Some medieval, medieval siege tactics right there. Uh, <laughs> I did not learn that in, uh, in SIPA. They neglected to teach us uh, about that. In the that class. wasn't part of your international... Like, it, wasn't, um... it wasn't part of war, peace, and strategy, with, uh, which yeah. Sarah and I both, both should have been. together. Should have been. It should have been, right? They didn't, they didn't even teach us about berms. Like, what is this? <laughs> or or a giant canal attached the lake to the sea and then you have just a, uh, a a moat essentially around your country that separates you from russia hmm that's more intense right. though. that's like what what saudi arabia threatened to do to 
uh, Qatar. Uh, hmm. But yeah. So I'd... I think one of one of the things that we wanted to try to do a bit more of is to talk about hypotheticals this week, like building berms on the border of Estonia. <laughs> <laughs> but I think another thing we were talking about a lot was um, because of the CPI thing coming out this week, uh, the Corruption Perception Index. For those people and also who don't have this... a graduate degree in international relations, <laughs> most normal people. And then we also, yeah, and then... Um, there is that Luanda link, Luanda leaks thing that's been big in the news with Isabel dos Santos. And it kind of lines up perfectly because they're both coming out big time the past couple of weeks. So I think that was one of the things that we wanted to riff on a bit too was Isabel dos Santos and coming out that now she is like a very, she always kind of was a little bit sketchy or shady. Everyone kind of knew, but now it's like, properly a thing that people need to be avoiding. So let's her, you know? let's give some background, Matt. Let's let's tap into your 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 geographical wheelhouse. And and for the, for those who who didn't read into this, just give us give the background. Elizabeth Dos Santos is who? So she's the richest woman in Africa and she is the daughter of Eduardo Dos Santos, who was the former president of Angola and he was the president there for like almost, how long was it? Like 30, 40 years or something like that. And so Angola is a very oil rich country and she was appointed as the head of the Sonangol oil company there. And I, I mean, there's a lot of stories. We don't know what's true or not, but essentially she just got a ton of money largely through her father because he kind of handed her a lot of contracts and stuff over the years. And she just became incredibly rich. Um, How and much I is guess she a worth? couple of weeks ago, around two billion, I think. Nice. nice. No, I could be wrong. It might be more than that. I'd have to see. double check. Let's see. Isabel dos Santos net worth. Two point one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Not then, that. I'm trying to remember what was the impetus of the Luanda leak leaks thing. I mean, essentially, she was kicked out of her position at the oil company by the new president. He came in in 2017 to replace her father. And he was from the father's party. It wasn't like it was an opposition. Yeah. They were, they were of the same, same political, you know, elite. Yeah. And I, I think you could probably go back and forth on it. You could, in one vein, you could say he wants to shore up power for himself because the Dos Santos family has been in charge for 40 years and he wants to kind of get them out of the way so he can get his own agenda done. And on the other end, you could say maybe he's actually just trying to fight corruption. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but that's been kind of going on. On, on the, and then on the topic of list real fast, what do you think? What, where's Angola? What's your guess? How, what, what's Angola's ranking on the CPI this year? They're not out. They're probably not back down there with like Iraq and Yemen and stuff. They're probably, in the bottom, certainly in the bottom 25%. So there's 180. Do you know? There's 180 on this list. I might put them around like 110. Sarah, what do you think? Oh, well, I have it in front of me, so I'm cheating. Oh, you have it in front of you? All right. All right. One, 146. 146. Ooh, pretty, a little worse than I thought. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty down there. Uh, At the same time, okay. Matt, though, CPI did get it right that Angola was a country to watch. So... 
Yeah, they, they, big surprise. They went up seven seven places. Uh, Wait, they got better seven places? I believe, yes. It says plus seven. Maybe that was between 2018 and 2019. Um, that was between 2018 well, maybe and 2019. Yeah, maybe it's because the new president has been trying to, to make things better. I don't know. I, and I don't follow them as much as possible. And unfortunately, because they're a Portuguese-speaking nation, you're kind of limited in English language resources about them, which is kind of unfortunate. But that's definitely one of the challenges of trying to follow uh, what they do, you know. Mm. But anyway, I think the funny, or I don't know if it's funny, but one of the things we were talking about is with Isabel de Santos, she was a big player, you know, a couple months ago or a year ago. And now she has all this money, but she's, she's like blacklisted from everything, right? Yeah, she's verboten. Yeah. So what do you do as a billionaire who's blacklisted? Like, how do you live out your life? She, she, she's got two billion, right? So let's say like, let's say. But a lot of it's of probably that, frozen now. Yeah. So let's yeah. say she's, let's say she has access to like a billion bucks. She can like spend a billion dollars cash tomorrow. What do you spend? And you, but you need you need that money to like run for you. You need it to work. So what do you buy? <laughs> I mean, where she, where could she go for real estate at this point? She's in Portugal now. She's big in Portugal, probably. But again, that's like you were in Portugal not so long ago, Matt. You said you were not even that impressed, as I, as I recall. Like being big in Portugal is like being big in what? Like that's like not it's not France. That's not England. Like. Well, that's another fun side story is that um, the Angolans own so much of Portugal because Portugal had such a terrible couple decades here with their economy and Angola had all this oil money. And so they were buying up so many, so much real estate and assets in Portugal. That's another little side story. Well, it's, it's funny that like but yeah, it, the it's chickens booming. came home to roost in that sense, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, it was cool because the Angolans were colonized by Portugal back in the day and then now they're, they own Portugal, which is... It's kind of a fun story, I guess. Yeah, no, I, but yeah, everyone likes that. <laughs> Portugal's definitely booming. Yeah, but I guess all of these places that were struggling after the 2012 uh, economic crisis in Europe are now doing certainly better than then. I would think. I don't know if you, if you if you have that money, she can't she can't hang out in in. She's probably trying to get rid of all of her stuff in Portugal because her name is going to be shit in Portugal because everyone's going to know her. She's too close to it. You got to take that money to like Dubai or Dubai like... every week. That's going to be. <laughs> we're going to have to come up with an air horn every time we talk about moving your money yeah, into Dubai. Shitty money in Dubai. <laughs> Although you know what I just saw when I when I googled her. You know where she was born? In Azerbaijan. She was born was in it? Baku, Azerbaijan. Yeah, which wow. that's a nice shady place to move some money to. Yeah. You can do well there. Yeah. yeah. And they have an oil business there. And so they have an oil business With BP there. or something. Oh, man. <laughs> that's interesting. Maybe that's her next move. Was it that because was... Dos Santos was living there at that point? I'm going to... It was... Yeah, I don't know. Let me jump in. Yeah, because a lot... During that period, during um, the independence movements, because they were all close with the Soviet Union, and the Soviet Union was providing money and stuff. Uh, another big thing that the Soviet Union did is they educated a lot of people and provided housing for refugees. So her father was there studying as a refugee from Angola back in the day. Ah. And I believe her mother is from the Soviet she's Union. She's Russian. She's Azerbaijani. She's Russian. Yeah. And they met in Azerbaijan. And that's pretty common 
for that region during that time period, people from Southern Africa, you know, Angola, Namibia, etc., that they would have lived there during that period, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always thought that it was mostly financial ties. I didn't realize that it was more family ties, too. Yeah, it it was huge. And Cuba as well. Like, tons of people in that region will have lived in Cuba when they were younger and stuff. Very common. Well, where are so yeah, where did you move she, the money? Where did she go? Or what do we? Yeah, what's what do you do when you got two billion bucks? But the world thinks you're. Uh, I hadn't even thought now. of the Azerbaijan thing. Yeah, that's a good. I one. had not thought about it. No, because she's gonna have to get out of Portugal. Look at her banker. Yeah, right. No one's gonna want to do business with her anymore. I don't know, because she was also really popular. I will say, like a lot of people looked up to her, and she's kind of projected this brand for herself of being a self-made woman entrepreneur in Africa. And I think a lot of people believe in that, in that region. A lot of people look up to her. I mean, I'm sure there's but an equal amount, if not more people who think she's corrupt. Yeah, but isn't, but she, is isn't she corrupt? Well-liked. Like, but isn't that not like a either or? Like she is corrupt. She's not a self-made person. She just wrote checks to herself, it sounds like. Well, I mean, she tells the story that she did a lot of entrepreneurial things. In addition to being appointed to a lot of positions by her father, she supposedly started a lot of businesses. Like she was, like you, Corey, she was in like the hospitality right. bar scene. You but know. if you get a $20 million zero interest loan from a company that's like associated with your family, and then you use that loan to like just buy capital assets and shit like that that's going to make money and then you don't have to ever pay that loan back it turns out you're not like a business genius <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds like that's what they did it's like she just well, you have to throw- loaned herself money never had to pay it back and then use that money to like buy businesses <laughs> but you have to throw in the variable of a country in transition right Sarah, do you have any any opinions on this? Like, because it's a, Angola is a country in transition, they're trying to establish themselves from a very like a half century of war. Basically, is it okay to cut corners like in the way that she did, or is she held to the same standard as if she was doing this, you know, five years ago in New York City? I mean, it's it's hard to say whether it's okay or not. Um... But there is, there are different hurdles that you have to get over in a transition country. So, you know, that's going back to the CPI. That's, it's an incredible spectrum of countries that have established institutions versus non-established institutions. And it's kind of difficult to see how you could put them on the same scale in some ways. Mm-hmm. So... Well, maybe she should... Yeah, she kind of, you know, I'm sure that she had to, she did what she had to do. Uh, whether that's okay or not, I'm, you know, not qualified to say that. <laughs> but uh... Uh, here's a, here's a, here's a hypothetical, right? Let's talk about this in, in real terms because who knows what you would do if, again, if you if you were the son or daughter of a uh, a civil war like general winner who now gets to take over a vastly uh, materially wealthy country with like you know no infrastructure and a very poor populace and like you have this like un, un unfathomable amount of money now like at your disposal essentially right like how much yeah 
how much stealing can you justify? Like how much if you were if you were if you were just saying like look I'm gonna work really hard, but at the same time, like I'm definitely gonna like take five hundred million dollars and like put it somewhere, but I'm gonna work my ass off. How much would you How much would you take? Sarah, I think you have strong opinions on this. Am I right about that? About how much money to take? If any at all. I mean, my first reaction is obviously no. Is uh, <laughs> <but laughs> that you can take zero, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that doesn't matter. You're a, you're a public official. Uh, but then when you're presented with these opportunities, like uh, Mr. Santos, it's, uh, like Corey said, it's, it's hard to think, you know, what you would do in that situation, especially having grown up with this sort of wealth. Or, or how about this? Ready? Here's another one. You're the, you're the, you're the daughter of the head of state. You are, you are a close confidant. Everyone knows you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, you, you got the keys that open some doors and, uh, a company, a company, some, some multinational comes to you and just says like, Hey, we're really interested in like entering the marketplace. Um, Oh, by the way, like here's that, like, you know, $50 million facilitation fee that, uh, we thought was like useful maybe to leave here and like not, not (laughs) notice if you take it or not, but you know, facilitate things that that's the game. That's the game all day. I mean, at least in my experience studying and also experiencing, in that kind of in that region that's how it works all day i don't know what your guys's experience is but yeah everything comes with a quote-unquote facilitation fee and everything runs through you know there's probably like a 50 people in the country who can get you access to anybody and get anything done and those people just rack up those fees well so so can you take that if you're the if you're the child of the of the head of state I think especially if it's being offered from a multinational Western-based institution, you know, that seems golden, right? Well, so, so, so you would take, you would take it, you'd take that money, but you wouldn't take it from the state itself. No, I mean, obviously the right answer is no, you can't. You, you have to stand up. <laughs> yes. for, you cannot do it, but that's what people are doing. But it seems like people are starting to get caught more and more now. I mean, this is one example. Do you think there so? There was another big example. Well, there was another really big example last year. With It's called the fish rot scandal, where an Icelandic fishing company paid these facilitation fees to public officials in Angola and Namibia. And they got caught through like a coordinated journalistic effort. And those people had to resign, the public officials in Namibia had to resign and they were very well-known people like I knew who they were you but know? did it get to and, did it oh no but it, but it was in Angola also yeah did it get but to Dos Santos I think it was much low it was below her pay grade because it was fishing grade. you know <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't minister of like fisheries that. or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah and then it doesn't even have to I'm, be the facilitation fees it could be you know debt repayments itself to you see that with the debt deal with Russia back in the 90s, where, you know, they, they restructured this debt down to $1.5 billion, And uh, most of that, not most of it, but a good fraction of it was going to Dos Santos anyway. 
but if everybody in the area is accepting these facilitation fees and you well i think it's also a way to get power too right because let's say you're one of these people with the connect and you can make something happen for a fishery or bp or whatever and someone comes to you and you turn them down they're just going to go to the next person anyway right yes that is true so at the very least, if you accept it, you're, you have a position of power. And I'm not saying that's what I want to do. I'm just saying I can see why <laughs> they'd be like, well, everybody else is going to accept it anyway. I, I have good intentions. I might as well accept it and steer it towards my own interest, which may also align with the public in some way. Well, that's it, the problem. Or towards my family. <laughs> yeah, like, is they it, think that they have it, good intentions, though. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that that's correct. I'm just saying yeah. this is, I can see why people accept. In different cultures, there's different perceptions also of what would be corrupt, and in yes. in in you know in, in American culture, maybe the idea that you would in some way steer a contract in a direction, or uh, you know nepotistically hire a relative or something like that, is 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 like just like textbook corruption. But in other parts of the world, it's not perceived as such, and the idea that you would not hire a relative or something like that would be the like perversion of the correct system and in that sense like the corruption so like we also got to be careful like about we're we're definitely applying like the hey we think you guys are uh, doing shady deals so we've decided that that's bad but when we do the shady deals it's different like it's uh it's a different situation <laughs> and the other thing comes from payment like some people feel I risked my life. I lived in the Soviet Union as a refugee in exile, and then I fought in this war, and then I came and worked in the government, and I'm earning so little money. This is my way to cash in on those decades where I put in all of that stuff, and my family suffered so much. So accepting $1.2 million from some company is kind of like your payment for all of your suffering over the years. And I think it's also thought about in, in those terms sometimes too. Well, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of justifications and that's what I, that's where it comes down to. So you're the, you're the head of state's child and the amount that you could justify is seemingly endless. The bigger bite you take, the more it could possibly come back to haunt you. But the, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of small bites that you can take that, you know, you're never going to get in trouble because this is common practice. It's par for the course in the neighborhood that you're in. And like you could get away with it. So if you're, if you're Isabel Dos Santos, she's determined $2 billion was what she could get away with stealing, right? There's other people, <laughs> there's other heads of state's children that have stole less. There's some that probably stole more. Like what's the sweet spot, I suppose? Is, is that's the, I mean, if that's the hypothetical, like... Is there enough? Is there an amount that you can steal and not get in trouble? Well, correct me if I'm wrong on this, because the way I see the way it's working now in terms of the media and journalism and how they're trying to go after this corruption in in emerging markets and frontier markets is they're going after the Western companies that facilitate it. Hmm. I, I think, and maybe you disagree, but like if. So, like, for example, with the Gupta scandal in South Africa, I don't know if you guys followed Yeah, that. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where the family was giving the, uh, all those contracts. They went after, like, McKinsey and the equivalent accountancy places that were facilitating a lot of this work. And that seems to be the angle that we're currently going at when addressing corruption. I feel like we will attack the president and the president's daughter, 
but maybe we're if it's between like the deputy minister of fisheries and McKinsey, I, it seems like people are going to go after McKinsey a little harder. You think I so? I mean, I think I think that's a more recent trend, though. I wouldn't say that that's uh, yeah. And it's only because I would say after leaks like Panama Papers or the Angola debt deal that all of a sudden we're realizing, oh, these Western institutions actually play a huge role in this. And uh, Mm -hmm. especially when they're offering deals that, you know, one can't refuse in these emerging markets, who's to blame there? And it could be that everyone is to blame, but it includes the Western institutions. Did you guys watch this uh, this Netflix uh, this newer Netflix movie called uh, The Laundromat, which kind of goes? Oh, over... I want to. I want to. Was it good? Did you see it, Matt? Yeah, I didn't. No, no, I didn't see it. All right. Uh, there's a, there's there's I guess a, you know a, a a watching a watching recommendation if you're into this stuff. It's it's over the top because Gary Oldman and uh, uh, Antonio Banderas play the 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 two guys. Uh, Mossack and Fonseca, and they play it. They play the characters like very campy and over the top. Uh, <laughs> there's like lots of outfit changes and like constant like very like fancy flamboyant suits and tuxedos and shit like that. And uh, mm-hmm. and they the, the 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 part of the thing is like yeah they're just like their whole thing is like listen we haven't done anything illegal we've like followed every single law exactly like it's your fault for like making the laws these ways um is like sort of like their argument throughout the whole thing uh it's 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 a bit entertaining they break the fourth wall the almost the entire time of the movie so it's it's shot in an interesting it's not like a straightforward just like uh dramatic narrative interesting it's curious yeah but what i'm curious to see how it plays out because Let's say this all blows over with Isabel Dos Santos and she gets off in the courts that matter and she or she moves to wherever she moves, Azerbaijan, or she goes to some other country that houses her. Would you want to play the same game that she did if you were in her shoes? If you can go through like 18 months of inconvenience and then you can kind of be free? Yeah. Well, it's it's hard to say because even if <laughs> you would take it, because <laughs> I mean, for 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 two Billy, I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> but then, if you can't even spend half of it, and that's going to diminish over time as you know more accounts are frozen. Yeah, Sarah, what are you talking about? You're talking about one billion cash is not like a like one billion oh, no, cash no, divided think... by eighteen months of like mild annoyance that like you just have to like kind of. <laughs> hang out at like a hotel resort and keep a low profile for a year and a half. But that's that's assuming that this is the end. You know, more accounts might be frozen. She might be found in more scandals. You know, it's kind of a slippery slope when it comes to that. No doubt. Well, you were just talking, we were talking about this as well, about the prosecutors. And we talked about this with Carlos Gozen too, the prosecutors going after you and their intentions and stuff. Yeah, I mean... Do you think it'll end or do you think there's enough people who want to go after her for the next decade of her life. Who well, wants to go is... after her? Uh, well. <laughs> does Sarah, do you want to start that? <laughs> I, you know more than me, Matt, on this. No, I, I, I don't. I mean, all I was saying is if you, I mean, this is how things work sometimes is 
you can make your name off of a case like this. So there's probably prosecutors all over the world that would love to take on the richest woman in Africa. Because I'm sure she's had some businesses in the U.S. and in Europe and everywhere. And I'm sure there's someone in all of those places that's happy to take this on. Well, I think even more so than individual prosecutors, you have parties and you have, you know, clans, for example, in Central Asia that are looking to have a scapegoat and looking to have uh, cases that you could report to international organizations that, oh, we solved this corruption case and it kind of helps a country's reputation. Interesting. So you think there's places that maybe if she's put her money through some banks in Central Asia, they might want to go after her just to build up their reputation? Well, not necessarily in Central Asia. I'm talking more about her home country in in Angola. That this is, Mm. especially for any kind of ruling party or any kind of clan that has had a problem with the Dos Santos family, um, this is a perfect opportunity to take them down and show that we're doing something. Yeah, Mm. yeah, like lure, lure, lure it in and then just give it up, yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's a good point. Because also, you know, you look at CPI and one of the one of the countries that features as, uh, you know, on the up and up is is Estonia, our beloved Estonia. And uh, yes, it's because of this Danske Bank uh, case where, you know, the, the bank, the Estonian branch did shut down. And so it's a, a perfect little corruption case. Uh, we solve this and then you get a nice ranking. Yo, yo, guess guess where uh, she's assumed her official country of residence? Azerbaijan? Where? UAE. <laughs> uh, of course. Uh, of We're going to need uh, air horns for UAE and Estonia talk, I think. I think they're going to come up every week. Yeah, we need, I, think. I think we need something for UAE and Estonia. You're right. And I want something for, uh, let's get something for McKinsey and, uh, and Bremer slash Eurasia Group. Yeah, we need yeah. We, we need some sort of a soundboard for those guys. Uh, uh, yeah. Ugh. Oh. Interesting. So, what else we got on the docket? Well, I think we also wanted. To, I mean, we've been dropping CPI a lot. Do you want to talk about the rankings? a little bit more and where they got it right and where we might fix things. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's Cuz we know where they got it right. Obviously, we're just riffing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, let's do it. Let's look at let's look at the top samad and the bottom samad. Uh, let's yeah. let's look at the top 20, all right? I'll uh I'll read out do the you top. Read them out? Yeah, I'll read them out and we'll and we'll just we'll we'll keep them in our head. So we got we got uh, Denmark and New Zealand are tied for first. Finland. Okay. Sweden, Switzerland, Singapore. Norway, Netherlands. Luxembourg, Germany. Iceland, Canada. UK, Australia. Austria, Hong Kong, Belgium, Ireland, Estonia. And rounding it out, Japan uh, at number nice. 20. So and just the, well the the home team America twenty three. Um, <laughs> Where's Georgia? Georgia is uh, forty four. I I got it open too. Oh cool. Oh good. Forty four. Not bad. All right. Ahead of Latvia. Behind the Czech Republic. All right. Wow. Uh, yeah, you know they're the, the, they're not the most corrupt, but 
you know, they're not, they're, they're all right. I've never had to pay a bribe here. That's nice. Yeah. Oh, no, I take that back. I take that back. I take that back. I did pay a bribe once in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Full I think disclosure. It was 20, I think it was 20. Do we want to get into it or are we going uh, to just rush over that? Yeah, no, it's fine. maybe the CPI people need to hear this. It's fine. Or you could be the one to move Georgia lower. It had to do with... Uh, <laughs> So, so what, what it was, was I wanted, a, I, I, I had a, I wanted another phase of electrical power, like brought into, into a place from the electric company for anyone who's familiar with like how electrical works. Like I wanted, I wanted more, more voltage, basically. I wanted more oomph because sure. I was running a few extra, uh, refrigerators and whatnot. Um, so when they came, they were like, who are you? Because they, we need, I needed the company to open the gate, like to the box, and they were like, "Who are you?" I was mm-hmm. just like, "I'm the guy who called you. Like, I'm the proprietor of the business. Like, what's up? Like, I'm the guy who pays the bill. Like, hook it up, please." And they're just like, <laughs> "You're not the name on this account." And I was just like, "Yeah, I know, but like, it's it's cool." And uh, they were just like, "He and and Han and my neighbor at this place." He was just like, this, it was this old man. He was like, give me a moment. I know these guys. And uh, I walked away. The neighbor came back over to me a moment or two later. He just said, 20 lari. And, uh, <laughs> and I gave the guys 20 lari. And they, uh, they did it. They fixed it no problem. That's very mild, 20 lari. Yeah, when it wasn't hard work. It was just, they were just choosing not to do it because like my name wasn't on the paperwork. And mm. in this situation, it was like, they broke the rules for me, and in order to have them break the rules, I had to give them twenty lari. Like it wasn't like I was paying for something that I was entitled to. I wasn't entitled to what I was asking for. Only the you know owner of the property would be entitled to ask for that. But he was busy. He wasn't going to show up. Like I had to do it myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. it almost seems like you, the intermediary, and the uh, the company, you were all had a stake in this. <laughs> Yeah, we we figured it out, right? Everyone everyone benefits now, right? I'm paying for more electricity. Those guys got ten bucks a piece, ten lari a piece, and I got my shit together. Yeah. I that I mean that that could be useful for CPI to hear. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yes, I just wanted to mention two things too. So I noticed that Eswatini is written as is it uh, Swaziland's new name. But Czech Republic is still Czech Republic and not Czechia. Um, Were we wrong on that and the name change? Is it not that official for the Czech Republic? Uh, I, so Czech Republic, I think they still allow themselves to be named Czech Republic. They're not really assertive about it. Yeah, they're not assertive about it is exactly uh, right. Like they're not um, consistent even within their own stuff. Okay, so Swaziland is very assertive. I believe about being so, yes. Swatini then, okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make that clear. <laughs> Where, what number are they? I can't find them. Iswatini is one thirteen. Formerly known, the country formerly known as Swaziland is one thirteen. Wow, Kazakhstan is the same as Iswatini. I don't see it. Maybe I'm looking at Wikipedia. Maybe it's last years. Yeah. Did they move up? Oh, I don't have that page open. Anyway, we were going to talk about this top 10 list and i think there was one notable question mark what what's that does anyone want to guess for the top 10 hmm. who is the notable question mark <laughs> oh 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 yeah it's almost like 
It's almost like Swaziland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How? Uh, That's actually how why Swaziland changed the name. <laughs> sound sound less than with Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the country whose entire like vibe and whole reputation for the last eighty years is uh, secrecy and banking and money laundering. Yeah. Somehow uh, tied for fourth. <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. Oh, Luxembourg well, is up there too. Yeah, right? Luxembourg also. <laughs> well, why do you think it is? Because it might be more tied with their internal politics, meaning that their politicians are not taking bribes and not doing shady things. It might just be that there's some companies within the country that have a reputation. Do you think that's why they're so high? Uh, I actually, so uh, in reading uh, some materials uh, for this episode, I was I was reading specifically about this Russia Angola debt deal, and one of the authors of that report back in 2013 uh, brought up a really interesting point, and it was that it was easier to track the money going toward Angolan officials than for Russian officials, and. Mm. Uh, that's I feel like is an issue here is it's a whole lot easier to track these issues when they're out in the open <laughs> I see Do you... so because they hide it on things on their end yeah like Switzerland they they don't disclose anything so it's you know it's easy to uh, you know uh, with Angola you know, it's easy to uh, dig up dirt on that, but it's very hard to dig up any dirt having to do with Switzerland. So if there's no data, it doesn't count against you. Seems like it. Because <laughs> I'm also seeing UAE is there, and, and insert Corey's horn noise at, with UAE, <laughs> but they're at 21, which is also pretty good. It's right up there with Estonia. Yeah, yeah. right in front of us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's probably lots of questions about the methodology. I haven't looked at it, but you but you do you definitely <laughs> yeah. you definitely have to wonder. Like, it doesn't seem like the companies that that belong to a country impact the country's uh, ranking at all. Yes, I think that's part of the methodology. Yeah, or they impact it less so. They impact, yeah. it's not very it's not very strong. It's not a strong coefficient or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because it could, because well, it can't possibly be. Just, it's just like these, these are the places where things are. This is all the companies in the world in the top, you know, fifteen or twenty. Well, would how would you re-account for those sorts of things if you were doing it? Like, where would Switzerland fall if you guys were running this test? If you like, just say you had perfect methodology and stuff. Where do you think? What countries would Switzerland actually fall against if you were doing it? I mean, it, the whole the whole table would be turned around, I think, and it would have to be separated by, you know, not just not just a one to one eighty. It's uh, it would have to be different scales, I think. Yeah, it w- I agree with that entirely. It would have to be different scales because the the most corrupt small country is like going to produce the amount of corruption in a whole year that like a busy corrupt city is going to produce in a day. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, well, like if you go down the list, if you go to, if you go far down the list, you get to places that are going to be like, like who's something really tiny down the list that that's not fair to like 
throw them in the mix with everybody else, like the Maldives or whatever. Like, yeah, sure. I'm sure there's like horrible corruption in the Maldives. They've had like, you know, undemocratic elections and like, you know, sort of military juntas and quasi dictatorships for like a decade and a half now. But like, let's be real, like how much possible corruption can be going on on that tiny island chain compared to Mexico, which is at the same level of ranking. Mm. Yeah. Or Myanmar, so, like Myanmar, Mexico, and the Maldives are all the same. Like I don't know. Like <laughs> really? He, he, yeah, you make a good point. But then on top of this, uh, you know, one thing to keep in mind with the with CPI is it is corruption perceptions, and it's uh, if you look at the methodology, it's based on perceptions by business people and country experts. <laughs> yeah. True. So that's, you know, that's a huge issue right there. So, you know, we're talking about this, like we're looking at policies, we're looking at scandals having to do with institutions based in those countries, whereas this is literally just perceptions. Yeah. And some day to day stuff like registering a business and can you're like, does your title deed like actually hold the weight or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, you make a good point because it is hard to rank these on something other than perception because perception often is what matters anyway yeah i just want to know who these uh business people and country experts are <laughs> yeah yeah i, I just um, some study like how could how does brunei 35 like how is an absolute monarchy like brunei be 35 on this list and bhutan be 25 it doesn't make any sense how can they be ahead of czech republic and south korea and stuff like that well, what about where's our friends in Oman? Where do they fall? Fifty six. Uh, I just saw it. Oh, yeah. interesting. That's a little right, right lower than I thought. T- tied with Namibia. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, Namibia had some trouble this year, like we talked about before, with the fish rot scandal. That's interesting because Mauritius is has a reputation with um, it's a similar reputation with Switzerland for similar things. <laughs> Let's just, I don't want to make any accusations, so I'll just lump them together. <laughs> Actually, I would probably, if I was redoing this, maybe I would put Mauritius and Switzerland in the same category. Um, but that, yeah, that's interesting that and, they all fall together like that. Uh, and I mean, like, how can, how can they tell me that, that Greece, which is like, gets just like perpetually shit on for like the last decade and two decades for just being like a basket case. How can it be equal with like, Croatia, how can it be three steps ahead of Croatia and equal with Cuba? Like, I don't know. There's a, like, how, yeah, like, I, I, some of this stuff doesn't make any sense to me, really. I'm not sure I buy it. So then I bring it back. Give us, give us like a hot take on if you, who would be, okay, let's do it this way. Who would be like your top, yeah, most corrupt country three in or the world. top five? Most, yeah. Mo- do like top three, top five, and then do ones that you think are slightly out, misplaced. Right. Do you guys have any quick takes on that? I'm thinking the most corrupt countries in the world have got to be uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, and and Libya. That's that's gonna because they're like they're just war zones, not entirely, but like there's you could buy whatever you want probably, and you could get away with whatever you want probably if you just were able to to spend your way like there's no rule of law and that's to me what i see as like truly what like perception of corruption is like you can't you can't rely on anybody else Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I could see so. that. Espe- especially with Libya, I could see that. Uh, but then again, this this goes back to my point that I think that there needs to be two different scales, and it's uh, you know it's just pure corruption, and it's just based on the the state of everything in that country, like Libya or Iraq. Uh, but then, like I think Corey brought up before, has to it has to do with impact, because if you're talking about yeah, people are giving small petty bribes uh, versus large scale corruption having to do with institutions. That's uh, there's a huge difference there. So I would say which, which one do you think is more detrimental? In terms of petty versus large scale? Yeah. I mean I think well large scale has the bigger impact. Petty might have to might have, you know, uh, unfavorable societal consequences, but large scale is definitely more impactful. Hmm. I don't know. Whatever disrupts the functioning of society the most, and I think it probably depends on the case. I would, I would hate to have to like pay like a cop a dollar every time I drove down the road, which is like the case in some places. But I also like the idea of, oh, I don't want to go to the DMV. Let me just slide like my cousin's neighbor twenty bucks who works there. <laughs> And, like, they'll just, like, do it for me and, like, bring it over to my house, like, next week. And that sort of stuff doesn't, the paying the cop a dollar, and I don't want to get in trouble for this, but it doesn't disrupt society so much. Because in a lot of cases, it's just compensating for them being paid low wages. It's, but, like, it, taking over the oil company and misusing it, that ruins everyone in the country yeah, for generations. And, you know, taking millions and billions of dollars from a from a society that could have used it in development and transition. So, yeah, exactly. So so I think we've identified two different two different streams right there, right? We got we got the stealing a billion dollars from the national like, you know, sovereign wealth fund or whatever it is, or the oil revenues, and a systemic like societal level of just like everyone's taking a buck here and a buck there because that's just what everyone's doing so some countries are affected by one some countries are affected by the other but some countries are affected by both and those are the really fucked up ones yes Yes. (laughs) (laughs) some some you only have to deal with one like in georgia i don't have to pay bribes right but like at the highest level i'm sure if you wanted to do some crazy big thing you might have to like involve some partners that are like you know getting their peace but like in other countries it's vice versa because people don't even have that they don't even have grand enough schemes to like require that they're just trying to steal a buck every day and maybe that's why switzerland comes up so high is because i feel like they don't quite have those two things either of them well not for their but... own country <laughs> they're yeah. they're definitely contributing to it for other countries